I feel like physicians are crying out, like, help me, help me. And I'm just trying to show them it doesn't have to be this way. You can really live life and practice medicine how you want to on your own terms. And I think real estate is the best way to do that. You're listening to The Life & Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Annie Dickerson together here with my fabulous co-host, Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you today? I'm doing fantastic. What's new in your world with your blue hair? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love how so, it matches the little life and money like thing. Right? So well with that. I should do the full rainbow to do like all the colors. <laughs> You should. That'd be so fun. Or we yeah. can take turns, alternate. I'll right? go one right. day, you'll go another. <laughs> well, I was telling you this. I never went through that phase in my teens or early adulthood where I was like, I'm going to dye my hair all these crazy colors. I never went through a tattoo phase. Like I was just like the goody two shoes, followed all the rules, did all the things. Yeah. And recently through these retreats and this personal development I've been going through, I was just oh. like, you know what? I'm try something different, something fun and decided to do this blue hair thing. And with black hair, it's not, I had no idea (laughs) the amount of work that goes into turning black hair, any other color, but black. And so it took seven hours to make it look like this. (laughs) And I got to know my colorist's entire life story. I know like everything (laughs) about her because in the course of sitting there for seven hours and talking to somebody you've just met, it's like, wow, you have to go through everything. Yeah. How about you? I know you've had your hair all kinds of colors, right? (laughs) Oh yeah. Back in the day, I don't know when I was probably, I did go through all of those phases, which Mm -hmm. I always laugh about because you and I are such, we're like, let's post pictures from like back in the day. And it's like, uh uh-huh, you can totally see, like we're still very, not a lot's changed in the last 20 years. A little here and there, but not a lot's changed. I did go through all of that with the the random hair colors. Self-expression is what it is. That's it. It's wild how powerful it makes you feel just having a different hair color or wearing a hat like you've been doing as of Mm -hmm. late night or, you know, wearing a little piece of jewelry or all these little things that can really make you feel empowered to be sort of a different person if you needed to or had to. You know, we always talk about that in our coaching world is like sometimes we need to step into being a different person to be able to show up the way that we need to show up in business. And it's funny how those those little things can, it's like putting on a costume, like we always talk about. It's like you're about to go into your acting session or whatever it is, but it empowers you to feel like you're into a new persona and it's wild. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up around self-expression and authenticity. It's something that I didn't really pay much attention to until the last few years, especially as we launched and started growing this business. I think in my 20s, especially, it was all about like, how can I not make people look at me? How can I stay in this box, do the right thing and just get ahead, but nobody will see me. Right. And that was like all through growing up. And I think it comes back to the immigrant like upbringing, right? We came from China and we were trying to live this quiet life. That's what my parents bestowed on me was like, don't make trouble, follow the rules, don't stand out. And that's sort of what I followed for all this time. But now being on the other side of that with all of this 
self-expression and personal development available to me and just seeing how important that is, not just to myself, but also to my family, those around me, to the business. It's everything. So just watch out. This is just the beginning. The blue hair is just the beginning, folks. But anyway, I think that dovetails nicely to our guest today. She starts off and talks about her immigrant upbringing as well and how that impacted especially her early years and her upbringing and how that eventually led her to medical school. So our guest today is Dr. Nancy Wynn. She is an ophthalmologist, a successful one and a life-changing one. And she's also the founder of Clear Vision Investing, where she helps other physicians learn more about real estate, particularly through real estate syndications and passive investing. And I think her story of how she really, I think it struck a chord with me, her story of her daughter that she shares this one day where her daughter was running this high fever, but she hadn't gone back to work. So her daughter was only a few months old, was at home with the nanny and she got a call from the nanny and the nanny said, can you come home? Your daughter's got 103 fever. And she said, no, actually I can't. She was looking at her clinical schedule and she couldn't. And that was the moment that changed everything. And I think for everybody out there who's listening, a lot of when you find that success at all, you can trace it back to this moment that changed everything. And so if you're in that moment now, or you've recently experienced a moment like that, that you think, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through this? It's all happening for a reason. And ultimately it'll lead you to something even better. Yeah. I think we have such similar stories to Nancy's. It was kind of funny listening to her tell her story. I was like, oh my gosh, she's telling my story. Like, And it's so cool though, to be able to see that there's other women who are going through a lot of the similar struggles that you and I both had as well. And we're so blessed and lucky to be able to find bigger pockets and find real estate investing. And more importantly, to be able to find syndications because Just like you had that experience, I had that experience, Nancy had that experience of realizing that syndications is really the path to being able to live a more intentional life. And we talked a little bit about what that means for her too towards the end. But syndications and having like true passive income as busy working moms and just being able to do what we love so much because we have the money coming in now and have that a little bit more flexibility and freedom can be such a game changer for us. And so it was so cool to see to see that there's others just like you and I and highlight her story because I think that it's important for others to see physicians or not to see that there's a, a different way for us to kind of live our life and go about investing. And I love the work that she's doing as far as the education piece. That's always been an important thing for both of us. And so I love that she's out there and really prioritizing the education piece. And what I love so much is hearing her stories about what she's doing on her physician side and changing lives there. Wow, it's so cool to be able to hear the work that she's doing there. And yeah, honored to be able to say that she's in our space and doing impactful work. So it was a wonderful interview. Mm -hmm. And in the conversation, we talked about how Nancy, when she was first starting out, she wanted to create passive income, but she didn't know where to start. And she sort of explored all these different options and found real estate. And then within real estate, there were all these options too. And then finally finding syndications and going down that path. So for any listeners out there, if you're somewhere along that journey, along that path, and you're exploring for yourself, what might be the best path for you to reach your passive income and investing goals? 
Tools, we've got a great resource for you. It's our book. It's called Investing for Good, and it'll take you through all the ins and outs of investing, particularly in real estate syndications, how they work. As Nancy mentions in the show, they are can be quite different from investing in a single family home or a small rental property. So we'll take you through the process, how it all works, the risks, the benefits, all of it. And we have a free hardcover copy for all of you. Just go to goodegginvestments.com slash book. With that, let's go ahead and dive into our conversation with Dr. Nancy Wynn. Nancy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Annie. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Ah, we're thrilled to have you here too. Now, Nancy, as a physician, eye surgeon, entrepreneur, and impact real estate investor, I know you have a deep, deep passion for helping people see clearly, haha, you see what I did, <laughs> but not just with their eyesight and their vision, but also financially. So start by telling us a little bit about how you got into medicine and the world of ophthalmology in the first place, and then we'll transition and talk more about real estate in your business. But were you one of those kids, did you always know that you wanted to be a doctor when you grew up? No way. So (laughs) I followed the very traditional path of a lot of immigrant children, right? You guys may or may not relate, Mm -hmm. but my parents came here after the Vietnam War as refugees. So I was the first to be born here. So it was ingrained in me ever since Mm -hmm. I was young to do well in school, get good grades, go to good school and get that good stable paying job. So I kind of followed that very traditional prescription and was a good girl who did that. And along that journey, I fell in love with medicine. Specifically during medical school, I fell in love with ophthalmology because I witnessed the miracle of cataract surgery for the first time on a completely blind patient. And it was like, this 10 minute surgery just changed someone's life completely. What? Wait, yeah. wait, okay. Hold on. Tell <laughs> us more about that. That sounds incredible. The 10 minute surgery. And then were they able to just see everything all of a sudden? Yeah. So one of the most common surgery in the world is actually cataract surgery. So cataract is just a clouding of your natural lens as you get older. So everyone gets it. So if you get enough candles on your birthday cake, you're going to get a cataract. But a lot of people don't realize that they have it. So they think they're going blind, particularly in developing countries. So in this particular case, I witnessed it in the US, but also I got the chance to go abroad to Ghana and witness this patient who was like completely blind, literally walked in with a cane, someone bringing them in and walked out literally an hour later with that 10 minute surgery, seeing the world and walking independently upright. So I was like, that's what I want to (laughs) do. Yeah. Wow. That's talk about life changing. Oh my gosh. So you fell in love with it from there. And so you knew that this was, you wanted to do this. And so tell us about that journey. Did you spend a lot of years in school and residency? Did you go abroad more? Yeah, absolutely. So the traditional path of being a doctor or surgeon is you go to college, you go to med school for another four years, and then you choose your respective specialty. And in my case, I chose ophthalmology, which is being an eye doctor and an eye surgeon. So that's another four years of training. And I also did an additional year of fellowship. So in total, what, like four plus four, eight plus five, 13. I hope I'm doing my math right. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So during that time, I just really fell in love with just helping people see And then during my training, I actually got to go to China and do some of this abroad work. So I just really fell in love with just helping people with their vision, both in our country and in other country. And the fascinating thing, Julian Annie, is that as I started to learn more about this, 
is most of the world's blindness is actually preventable or curable. And that's what really got me into kind of this issue that I'm, I'm really passionate about, which is curing preventable blindness around the world. Yeah, it's so fascinating because it's, I mean, there's so many parallels you can draw, right? Between most of the world's blindness is preventable. Same with financial blindness, right? There's so much that people can do to prevent a lot of the situations that they get into. So now, okay, so you've set the stage, you kind of fell in love with ophthalmology, you went down this path, you became a great eye surgeon, ophthalmologist. And so tell us at what point did real estate enter your journey? Yeah. So after I got out of training, I got a job as an attending, yeah, made good money because when you're in training, you're basically like an indentured servant working at minimum wage. <laughs> I was like, this is great. I'm going to do what I'm told to do, which is save money, invest a little. That meant 401k, stock markets. But, and I absolutely love what I do, but as I started practicing more and more, this is what really got to me was I was trading my time for money. And the one resource that I couldn't get back and I didn't have control of that I wanted the most was my time. And this like hit a pivotal moment when I had my first daughter, who's now five. And I remember when she was three months old, I had just gone back to work on my maternity leave. The nanny calls and was like, she has a 103 degree fever. Can you come home right now? And I look at my clinic schedule with a mm. boatload of patients. I was like, yeah. I can't. I'll be home as soon as possible, but I can. And I fumbled through a clinic and that's when I was like, gosh, there has to be a better way. And that's when I went down this rabbit hole of like passive income and everything and discovered real estate and haven't looked back. Oh, wow. Yeah. Real quick, before we get into that, I forgot to ask when you went through med school and then residency and fellowship, and did you come out of medical school with student debt or good on that front? Nope. Six figures. <laughs> Six Oof. figures, baby. Yeah. A lot Ouch. of us come out yeah. with debt unless you yeah. know, have a parent paying for it yeah, full yeah. out. But yeah, I graduated with six years of student debt. I didn't like debt. So I quickly paid it off in about three years, which mm, I'm glad I yeah. did to have that off my back. But yeah, I like to joke that when you come out of medical school, a lot of us are poor, have a worse net worth than the homeless person you know, on the street. <laughs> we come out of like six figures, negative net worth oftentimes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But good for you for having paid that off so quickly. That must have taken a lot of discipline and planning. And so then along the way, you kind of got into a groove with your, as an attending, you know, it's uncanny how many people have this moment they can point back to myself included, Julie included. They have this one pivotal moment, this one story that they can pinpoint back to where they were like, that was the moment I knew that this wasn't going to work, that this path that I'd been going down wasn't the right one for me. I had to figure out another way. And that's when everything changes. Right. And so you had that moment where your daughter was sick at home and you couldn't get home. You had all this clinical work you had to do. So after that day, I know eventually you found real estate, but after that day, like, what did you do? Where did you start? Did you read books, podcasts? Did you talk to people? How did you start to figure out another path? I started with Google, our lovely friend Google. I said, how to get back your time or how to cut back clinically. I forgot what I searched for, but something along that lines. And there were websites about side hustles that physicians can do. So there's a bunch of that, but I was like, well, that's just buying yourself another job. I was like, I want really passive income. And then yeah, discovered that real estate was how a lot of people achieve this. Like 
kind of early retirement, the whole fire movement. So went that that rabbit hole, got on bigger pockets for a bit and read all the posts on there. And then just started reading book after book after book and listening to podcasts. And that's how I got started. Okay. So you really went into sort of this research mode and networking mode, trying to figure out, okay, what are other people doing? And so then tell us about your first foray into real estate investing. Did you do like single family home? Did you do a rental? What was your first investment? It was a rental. So I felt like I had enough knowledge after gathering all that evidence and how to run the numbers. So I found investor real estate friendly agent. I live in Atlanta. So it's a great market. It's still cash flow. So I got to visit the property and I was like, I'm ready to put down that offer. But it was scary. I went back and forth maybe like 10 times. I was like, I can't do this. But it's one of my best investments right now. So it was actually a duplex in my backyard in Atlanta. And that's how I got started in real estate investing. Oh, wow. Okay. So you found this duplex and you're working with it. That makes such a big difference too. And working with an agent who understands what investors are looking mm-hmm. for. So you found this duplex. So you had done all this research and this was your first time, like really putting it into practice. I mean, it sounds like you went back and forth a lot, but how did you have the confidence to pull the trigger and move forward? I imagine your daughter was, your daughter must've been like one or two at this point yeah, or yeah, okay. Yeah, really young. Okay. Yeah. Really young. Okay. So you've got a lot going on with your career, with your family life, and you're doing this thing to try to build this better future for yourself and your family. And so- How did you know that this was the right first investment? I ran the numbers really carefully. So I downloaded like three or four calculators just to make sure I was doing the calculations right. Because I was like, I'm not going to trust this, just this one, right? So (laughs) I made sure the numbers actually fit. And so I was like, okay, I think this cash flows. They always tell me I need to cash flow, Mm -hmm. carries you through. So I just like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I got the news from the agent that they had taken our offer. I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. So literally, I remember bringing my daughter to for the inspection to make sure you know everything was okay. And yeah, we closed on it. It was like scary, but once I did it and I saw that first check or the ACH payment come in, I was like, this works, this works. And I was really hooked then. <laughs> so I'm curious, Nancy, out of all the things, once you jumped onto bigger pockets, that was what happened for me as well probably about six years ago now, I found all, I jumped into like this world of real estate investing that included flipping homes. It included investing into notes. It included buying rental properties out Mm -hmm. of state. It included multifamily syndication, all these different things that was new for me. How did you settle on a rental property as your first investment? And I guess I'm asking because everyone sort of, I feel like goes through this process and usually rentals are the first thing that they feel like the most comfortable doing. And I did a lot of other stuff. I did like hard money lending and looked into Airbnb stuff before I finally settled on doing the rental properties. But what was that process like for you? I went down the whole rabbit hole like you, Julie, on bigger pockets. There's so much right in the world of real estate investing. You can lend money, you could flip properties, as you said. But I just found like rental seems like the sure way to this passive income. Flipping was just very transactional. And I knew I didn't have the time or the expertise or the team to do that as an initial investment. So I was like, this is easy. It was kind of like a mixture of, I have been through the process of buying my own home. So it felt very familiar, but it wasn't that apartment stuff that one of the forms was talking about that felt so overwhelming. I was like, there's no way I don't have millions of dollars lying around. So I was like, let me just stick to this. This is what it seems like it's very comfortable for me. 
So that's, that's how I landed on that. Yeah, no, definitely. I think Annie knows I always talk about certainty and always having certainty in everything that you do. And it sounds like you had that when it came to doing the rental property, you had that sense of certainty and that was how you got comfortable with it. So any, for anyone out there who might be listening, who's like thinking, oh, I want to get into this and I don't know where to start, look for where your comfort zone is and look for the place where you feel a sense of certainty. And that's always what I've used in the past to guide me in making my decisions is that sense of certainty. I'm not always right, but but it certainly helped to go with your gut and do what feels right. So I'm curious, so you bought this property. I'm assuming at some point you must have had some kind of phone call from your property manager because <laughs> uh, you've owned it now for what? At least a couple of years, right? Yes, but, yes. You know, that said like, hey, Nancy, somebody broke in or hey, Nancy, like your tenant hasn't paid rent or hey, Nancy, toilet is broken. What was that first thing and how did you then think about rental properties and how has it been since? You have that often or not so much? What has that been like for you? It's inevitable, right? So I self-managed the first year because like, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to learn this stuff. And I quickly handed after that first year, I handed over to a property manager. I was like, I can't do this. So I got many calls when I self-managed about water heaters. Um, one time I got a call about the tenant hearing birds in her wall and her bedroom wall. And I was like, she's crazy. She is hallucinating. <laughs> so I sent someone out there and sure enough, a bird had pecked a hole because of the cedar siding and had mama bird went in and gave birth oh. <laughs> inside the walls. Oh. So wildlife had to come out and literally like pull the birdies out. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. So that's just another classic example. But even with the property managers, Julie, you still get calls about, hey, can you approve this? Just like not too long ago, got a call about bathrooms flooding. And we had just renovated this property not too long ago. And it was because the sewer from the street had backed up. And there was another pivotal moment with my daughter that triggered this. I was at the park and I was like, property manager, deal with everything. I get a text message, a call from him. It's never good to get a call from a property manager and (laughs) notify me. So instead of like spending that beautiful afternoon with my daughter on the swings, like I was going back and forth. But anyways, all this to say, I was like, there has to be a better way. If this is like passive income, I don't know if it's worth a couple hundred dollars a door. So I did more research and then discover syndications and like the light bulbs went off for me. I was like, I think this is the key. This is the passive income I'm looking for. So I kind of went down that rabbit hole and haven't looked back since. Yeah. So tell us about that because I have my moment too of doing a bunch of -of out-of-state rental properties and then discovering syndication and was like, Oh my gosh. When I got my first check in January after closing on the deal in December, I was like this, you don't get calls from property managers. You don't get calls about the toilets. You don't get calls about anything. And when I got that first check, which happened to be more than what I thought it was supposed to be, it was a game changer. So tell us about that experience for you. How long did it take you to get comfortable with syndications? How did you familiarize yourself with the market, the operator? It's such a a big deal, right? It's never, I always tell everyone, it's never about the deal itself. It's about who you're working with. It ultimately is going to determine how the deal is going to go. Deal can be a great deal on paper, but wrong operator or not. So what did that look like for you? What was that experience like? So my very, very first syndication, and this is a lesson for everyone not to do was I was like, syndication, that sounds cool. So I went online, went on a crowdfunding site because I was like, this seems easy. I guess it's just like the stock market. You just kind of buy your share. So that's what I did. I look at the returns and the deal as we're talking about, but I didn't look at the sponsor. So 
I just click, click, click and bought something. So that was my very first indication, which is something not to do. But my real first indication after I got educated was an apartment complex in South Carolina. And it was scary handing over that money to someone at first, but I knew that I had done my due diligence. I had asked all the questions that I was told to ask listening to different podcasts and reading different books. So I felt very comfortable with the sponsor and had known the team's track record and felt very comfortable with their communication style. So the deal made sense to us. So we put our money in and it was scary wiring that money to someone that we didn't have a real relationship with. But like you said, Julie, once that check came in, I was like, this is awesome. I don't have to do any work after the initial work and I'm getting better, if not equal returns than when I was owning my own rental properties and trying to do it all myself. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm curious for you to explain to the audience what the difference might be for you between a crowdfunding site type of investment and then investing directly with a syndication, not on a crowdfunding site. I used to get this question all the time from investors, tell me what the difference is, right? And I'm like, well, here's the differences, you know, and and I kind of laid it out from your perspective having gone down that road and it sounds like it wasn't necessarily a good outcome, what would you tell a new investor the difference is between sort of the two going direct versus like some random crowdfunding platform? Yeah. I think you touched upon this a bit, Julie, is the most important aspect of a syndication is the sponsor. It's not the deal, it's the sponsor. So I think when you're looking at crowdfunding, oftentimes you look at kind of just the returns and say, this is what I want to invest in but you don't really know who the operators are behind it. Usually it's big companies, big institutions who are putting on crowdfunding sites versus the syndications. Mostly is like a person that you could talk to, you could hop on a call with. So that's the main difference that I found was the trust in the sponsors was very different from a crowdfunding versus an individual syndication. We'll get back to our conversation with Nancy in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. 
That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with Dr. Nancy Wynn. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's interesting too the way that they present the offerings on a crowdfunding platform, right? And it's almost the way the user moves through that experience is to really highlight the deal itself rather than the sponsor. And so you're kind of really just looking at metrics and you're just looking at like markets and you're not even really thinking about the sponsor, which like I said, from my experience, it's always about the sponsor and ultimately the decisions that they choose to make at through operating the property that really determines the overall outcome for your investment. And so it'd be interesting to see, I don't know if there's any crowdfunding sites where they highlight like the operators, like where you sign in and you just see a bunch of operators as opposed to deals, right? There isn't because it's always like, look at all the deals. Look at this one's a 6% cash flow. This one's 9%. This one's 22%. And you as a user has to go through and sort of figure out, okay, well, why is this one a 12% cash on cash return? And then you see, oh, then you have to dig and dig and you see where it's located. You see the market it's located in that is not in the best area. And then it's kind of tricky and almost like misleading in a way to, to yeah. jump crowdfunding platforms. Yeah. So- I felt like it wasn't as transparent, like looking back yeah. now that I've been through multiple syndications, like with individual sponsors, like they just send you the T12s, the rentals. I mean, it's like all laid out for you versus like these crowdfunding right. sites. It was just like the shiny package that they present to you, but what yeah. is behind those numbers that they're presenting? And that's where I was like, yeah, never again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So tell us about that. So you did your first syndication and then tell us what's happened since then. Yeah, we've invested in multiple syndications, like so wonderful, you know, for myself, my husband, my family. And when I was doing the single family, duplex, small multifamily stuff, my colleagues and my friends were interested. They were kind of intrigued. But once I started telling them like how to do it because they wanted to do it, after about a couple of steps of what I told them they needed to do, they're just like, forget, it. I'm going to go back practicing, not worth it. I'm going to take an extra shift instead. I could earn much more than what you're telling me. But as I got into syndication, they saw that I had shifted and started getting interested too. So I started just asking questions. So now I've just been trying to educate my peers, particularly physicians about syndications, finances, real estate in general, and let them to see that there's a different way. Because I don't know if you guys know this, but Physicians are really hurting. There's a huge crisis among physicians because huge burnout rate, huge suicide rate. So there's a physician who commits suicide every day, one physician every day. And that's more than twice more than the general population and more than any other profession. So I feel like physicians are crying out, like, help me, help me. And I'm just trying to show them it doesn't have to be this way. You can really live life and practice medicine how you want to on your own terms. And I think real estate is the best way to do that. Why do you think that? I mean, I feel like that's a change from the past in terms of like the physician lifestyle and experience. What's changed? What's driving that? I think a lot of things, there's too many hands in the pot, I like to say. There's insurance companies, there's a government, there's bureaucracy, there's administrators. They all want to take control and tell physicians how to practice. So before, a lot of physicians owned their own private practices, so they had a lot more autonomy. Now, most physicians are actually employed. So they're basically working for someone. So they often have to justify their treatments. There's declining reimbursements. 
the government just put out a proposal to cut physicians' reimbursements with Medicare next year. While, as we know, inflation is raging and the cost to run a practice is even higher than normal. So I think just a combination of things of increased workload, lack of autonomy, declining reimbursement, combined with the fact that these are still humans, right? They still have families to balance and everything. So just the pressures from different sides has really just changed the physician landscape that a lot of people either want out or just finding a different route to earn money so that they're not so dependent on their physician income. Is it more expensive these days to run a private practice than it was back in the day? And if so, is it the insurance piece or what's driving that? Yeah, absolutely. As multiple fronts, insurance, often the reimbursements are dictated by insurance companies, by the government as well, but also just by inflation, right? The cost to do business has, I forgot the percentage, but at least by 20, if not 25% over the past two decades. So Physician reimbursements have stayed stagnant, if not decreased, while the cost to run a practice has increased. So that gap, you could tell, is just like there's no margin anymore. So a lot of private practices have either sold out to larger health organizations or hospitals, and even private equity groups are buying up practices now. Oh, interesting. Equity groups. Mm -hmm. It's a money-making opportunity, they see. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. (laughs) I'm curious. So it sounds like a lot of the folks, so you, so fast forward, so you did a bunch of, of investments, you invested passively in a bunch of syndications. You started talking with some of your colleagues, bringing them into some of these investments through your company. Is that right? No. So my company didn't really start. It was just like, Hey, I'm investing in this deal. Like this is how you look at it. And just kind of making that referral to the sponsors that I invest in myself. And as it kind of got more and more busy, because I just lacked the time to really say the same thing over and over and be on the phone. So I just kind of put some material out there and it's kind of just grown from there and sponsors like have been reaching out. So it's, it's fairly new, but I find that it's a more efficient use of my time. So partly for selfish reasons. So I didn't have to repeat myself. <laughs> That's so awesome. I love that. One of the things that has been so important to me for all the years that I've been doing this all the years of five or six years now has been the education piece. And I used to do the same thing until I was so blessed and lucky to meet Annie, who is so passionate about education. And she was on her mission to create a bunch of videos when I met her. And I was like, yes, this is what we need. (laughs) And this is how we're going to make the moves that we need to move and make the impact and help people understand, like you said, Nancy, that there's a better way, there's a different way, right? To living life. So I love that. I'm curious as you're talking with people and educating them around it. So you mentioned one objection earlier, which is that they can make more money, potentially potentially working an extra few hours or whatever. What are some of the other objections? I'm just curious because I'm sure there's some people who might be listening and thinking this isn't for me or they have these objections. What are some of those objections that you hear from your friends and colleagues? Yeah, I think most people have a basic understanding of real estate because they own a home. So they could understand the side of owning a single family or even a duplex or even a quad, say. But when we start talking about apartments, people just don't know that these are actually owned by people like you and me. They think it's some big institution and there's no way they could own it. So that's one thing is like, are you sure that I could own a piece of this? So that's the kind of the first objection is just getting over that doubt that this could actually happen for them because they don't know what they don't know. I would say the second thing, particularly just syndication, is a lot of people think 
that it's like a pyramid scheme. So I've been told, is this a pyramid scheme? Like, where's my money going? At least in the stock market, I could see it go up and down. But if I hand over this money, I don't get where it goes. So they don't understand that cash flow part, the distributions and taking part in all that. And then the third thing is that piece that you talked about is really, hey, I could just earn more money taking an extra shift. And then what I have to educate them on is really that distinction between passive and active income, right? Sure, they could earn a lot more just working an extra shift in the ER or doing a couple extra surgeries, but you're still working. You only have 24 hours in a day. How much more can you do? So those are kind of the key objections, particularly with physicians, is that they're so stuck in their way. Because we have this prescribed path, right? Do this, 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 get to the end, do this, 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 and this, which is mostly invest in 401ks, hand over your money to financial advisors. Now that you present this like almost paradoxical view, their world is blown away. So it takes a while to build up those steps and educate them to get them comfortable. Well, it comes back to that certainty that Julie was talking about, right? Because all three of those objections are anchored in this uncertainty, right? Because it's like, well, I don't know. Will this thing make me more than working an extra shift? I know I can make this amount of money working an extra shift or doing extra surgery. I'm certain about that. I'm going to do that. Or I don't know how this works. Is this a Ponzi scheme? There's a ton of uncertainty there versus seeing my money go, even if it goes up and down, at least I'm certain when I invest in the stock market that I can see it. Mm -hmm. So there's that underlayer of having that certainty piece throughout all of those. It's interesting. I think it's also interesting ever since I've discovered what I feel like is true passive income. And now when I see people out there working and I'm like, you don't value your time. You don't value your time. Like it's so clear to me now. And it wasn't like that before. I didn't think about that. And I think a lot of people don't think about how to value their time, right? Because like you were saying, they were saying, oh, well, I could just go out and work a few extra shifts or whatever. But at the end of the day, if they really sat and thought about the value of their time, then they probably see that even if they were making less, but not having to work or invest their time and energy towards, that's actually a better return return on their time. So it's an interesting thing to kind of think about too. And then the time thing, I don't think most people realize you can't get that back. That really was what hit home for me was like, my daughter only has that first birthday, that second birthday once. I could go out and do more surgeries any day of the week. I could do that 10 years from now, hopefully. But that time with my children, those precious moments, you just can't get back. And that's priceless to me. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's been so awesome for Annie and I over the last four or five years to be able to work. And we have Good Egg and we have our passive income that comes in as well and be able to celebrate all the birthdays, watch our kids grow up, watch each other's kids grow up. It's been so fun. So, 100% agree with that. So, what's next for you, Nancy? Did you ever do any more single family home rental properties? Or I guess it wasn't single family, it was a duplex, but was there just that one or? No, no. I actually built a, a small portfolio, which I still own in my backyard in Atlanta. I mean, it's all property managed and I still get calls and stuff every now and then I get the statements every month, but I kind of stopped actively looking for it once I discovered syndications. Okay. Um, because I was like, this is so much better. I don't need to spend the time digging through Redfin or whatever <laughs> and doing my going to inspections and doing that. So I kind of stopped, but still kept that portfolio that I had built up here. 
Okay. And so next is to just kind of continue the syndications that you've already started and continue in that direction. Anything else that you think about doing, flipping homes, note investing, hard money lending, anything like that, or syndications just where it's at? Yeah. I never say never to anything, but right now I think syndications is the path that I found that has truly worked for me and my family. And what's next is I just want to educate and scream on the rooftops to as many people, especially physicians, about this wonderful vehicle called real estate and particularly syndications, because that's like truly fitting for the physician lifestyle. That's one thing. And then the other thing is just my other passion, which is the preventable blindness piece is just continue to work on that. I work with a great nonprofit that I donate a portion of my real estate profits to that. So just trying to continue that. And hopefully as travel opens up, be able to travel abroad with my kids and do cataract surgeries on some of these people abroad. So that's what's next for me. Wow. Wow. That's so awesome. I love that story you said about being able to watch someone have that surgery and watch them see. I watched that like in all honesty on like random YouTube (laughs) (laughs) and like where they'll have like the baby here all of a sudden and you just watch their face like light up and it just Oh my God. It just touches me whenever I yeah, see it. If you see it in real life as even more touching, this will hit home with you guys. Cause you guys are moms. But I remember one time doing cataract surgery abroad on this mom and she took off her patch for the first time and saw her son's face for the first time because she was blind when she gave birth. Yeah. And I wasn't a mom then yet, but I was just like, yes. I literally have like the chills of a <laughs> yeah. wild. I can't even imagine. It's like when you give birth and you, then you meet your child for the first time, except that she's built a relationship obviously with right. the child all these years. Oh my God. That's so awesome. What a great way to make an impact and make some change. And I love the analogy that Annie made to finances and people not being able to see clearly and all these kinds of things. And so it's so awesome that you're giving back in a very similar, but different way. So that's so awesome. Well, cool. Well, we're going to move on to the last part of our show, the life and money show spotlight round. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions around life and money. So the first question is around your life and money. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to live a meaningful and intentional life by design. So this is something that I, not so recently, but relatively recently adopted. And I I learned, I think from a podcast and one of my mentors is value-based decision-making. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but it's like really defining what your key values are and making decisions around that. And that has really changed how I say yes and no to things and made it so much easier. So if you define your core values, like minds are like, family, autonomy, balance, compassion, growth, and then making decisions around that. I don't have to look at the opportunity and say, gosh, let me think about this 10 days, 30 days. I could really give an answer to that person right there and then, or maybe one day. And it's just stopped me from going down rabbit holes I shouldn't be in and overextending myself. And it really allows me to live like a life by design that you guys always talk about because I know what my values are and I could live in alignment with that. So that has really helped me a lot. I love that. And I can totally see how that would be a game changer in your life. And it is very intentional, right? Because you're kind of 
looking at everything. Does this align with what I want to do or not? And I would say for sure, that's something that Annie and I have both been doing for years now in our personal lives, but I think also just as important too, in, in our business as well. And, you know, every decision we make, we ask our, whether we're hired, whether it's hiring someone or buying an apartment or doing hotels or whatever we're doing, like it does this deal align with the values and the mission of, of our company. And, and so that yeah. we're very strategic about everything that we do. So I love that. So that's kind Kind of like the second question is kind of can go in this category as well. But what is one life or money hack that you can share that'll make an impact in others' lives right now? Life or money hack. I think the one thing is start your morning in control. Before I used to just wake up, grab my phone, and then start reacting to everything. But if you do something for yourself first thing in the morning, you set the tone for the rest of your day. And then you feel like you're in control. Instead of just rolling over, grabbing your phone and beginning your day by reading your Instagram posts, your emails, text messages, and responding to everyone else except for yourself. I think doing something for yourself first thing, whether it be exercising, gratitude practice, journaling, whatever it is, then your day just sets the tone so that you could dictate the terms of your day. So I think just, yeah, doing something for yourself first thing in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Controlling that monkey mind right off the bat mm-hmm. in the morning and starting the day off on positive thoughts instead of negative, because it's so easy to wake up and start on a negative path, looking at emails or whatever it is. And so I love that. I also try to spend a few minutes just upon waking, not even doing anything, but just laying there in a moment of feeling gratitude for all the different areas in my life. And sets the tone, just like you said, for the rest of the day. So I love that. And also finding some time to take care of yourself as busy moms and folks who work a lot as well. It's important to sort of try to find that time to capture to yourself, to own that time before the day gets away from you. So even if it's for five or 10 minutes, it'll make a difference. So I love that. All right. Last question is around what's one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a better place? I would have to bring it back to family as really focusing on being intentional with my family, because I truly believe that strong families are the fundamental building blocks for society and even for the world. Because as the saying goes, as the family goes, so goes the nation and so goes the whole world that we live in. So just really trying to be intentional with that family time, the relationship with my husband, raising hopefully wonderful, independent, good citizens and my children. And then in turn, we could contribute to the world and make it better cheesy, but I think family is where it all starts. A hundred percent. Could not agree more. It all starts at home. A lot of people are focused on how can I have the widest impact, but sometimes you got to go deep and it really all starts at home with yourself and those around you who you love. So I love that. Well, Nancy, I'm sure you've struck a chord with a lot of our listeners. You have such an inspiring story and you're doing so many amazing things. So for any listener who might want to follow up, connect with you, learn more about what you're doing, tell them what's the best place to go. Yeah, the best way is just go to my website, clearvisioninvesting.com. And you can also email me directly at nancy at clearvisioninvesting.com. Fantastic. Dr. Nancy Wynn, ophthalmologist and founder of Clear Vision Investing. Nancy, thank you so much for being here with us and our listeners and sharing your incredible story with us. Thank you so much, girl. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations. 